Hi there and welcome to another one of my podcasts. There were two Charles Cobans. One was an American film actor who never seemed to make a film till he was at least 60. And I'm very fond of him actually. But this is a different Charles Coburn. They spelt their name slightly differently. The American with a U is in the last syllable of his name. And this gentleman, Charles Coburn, was an O. His real name was Colin Whitten McCallum, and he was born in 1852 and survived till 1945, making him one of the very earliest performers to record. And even more unlikely, Lee, he made most of his recordings after the appearance of the microphone, which made him somewhere around 80 years old before he started recording. He was indeed 80 years old precisely when he made this recording in 1932. He was famous in the musical for a long, long time. He was a small man, he had tremendous stage presence, and he sang the sort of songs that audiences could join in with. That was his stock in trade, and he was particularly known for two songs that he recorded and made his own. One was called Two Lovely Black Eyes, and the other one, The Man Who Broke the Bank at Monte Carlo. I've already given you those two tracks, if you scroll back into the history of my podcasts and it's difficult to find any other recordings because he kept on making recordings of those two songs however this is probably the only other recording of any other song that I could find and it's a song called Off She Goes Again it's quite a short recording but at least we can hear him one more time his voice obviously didn't deteriorate he sounds just as alive and with tremendous stage presence on this recording so Let's hear one more time the voice of Charles Coburn. Possession of a charming wife, I proudly now proclaim, till she has got a temper quite unworthy of her name, which happens to be mercy, though I'm sorry to declare. She shows me very little when I'm down and full of care. No, the least word that I say to my wife in the way of contradiction. Oh, she goes again. Oh, she goes again. It's enough to make you wild to see her acting like a child. I should like to know if you can explain what am I to do with her when oh, she goes again. Oh, she goes again. Oh, she goes again. It's enough to make you wild to see her acting like a child. I should like to know if you can explain what am I to do with her when oh, she goes again. Before we joined our future, she have lessons to a course, instructing ladies how to cook an insect to a horse. Today, when we were dining, I just ventured to suggest her pie glass being heavy gave me pains across the chest. There, just because I said to her, my dear adult, said, my darling, the next time that you make pie crust, will you be good enough not to put quite enough horse and cement into it? Oh, she goes again. Oh, she goes again. It's enough to make you want to see her acting like a child. I should like to know if you can explain. What am I to do with him? Oh, she goes again. Oh, she goes again. Oh, she goes again. It's enough to make you want to see her acting like a child. I should like to know if you can explain. What am I to do with him? Oh, she goes again. Nobody seems able to say that before my Well, now things are sounding rather different in the United States. This is a track of a band I've only played you one example of before. They were called the Missourians. They began with somebody called Wilson Robinson in the early 1920s and were then called Wilson Robinson Syncopators, or his Bostonians. Then a gentleman called Andrew Preer took over the band in 1925 and it performed at the Cotton Club 
for two years, and it was called Andrew Prears Cotton Club Orchestra. And in 1927, they got a gig, as it were, accompanying Ethel Waters on tour. And they changed the name to the Missourians because by this time, Duke Ellington's band had become known as the Cotton Club Orchestra. They returned to New York and started playing at the Savoy Ballroom from about 1920 to 29. At this point, they were led by somebody called George Scott. By 1929, they'd been heard by a gentleman called Cab Calloway, and he started leading the band in 1930, and it became his orchestra, and ended up being called the Cab Calloway Orchestra. However, these are recordings that they made before he came along. This particular recording I'm going to give you was recorded, for instance, on the 1st of August 1929. The group contained quite a few really good musicians, such as Lamar Wright and R.Q. Dickerson. Some of their recordings are quite frenetic, up-tempo stuff, stomps and the like. But this one I've chosen today is a blues, quite slow one, called Scotty's Blues. And this is the other side of what they did. I get the impression it wasn't that large an orchestra, but be that as it may, it's one of the early black bands, and I commend it to you, the Missourians. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well now, last month I spent too much of my money, of which there is not a lot, on a 78 RPM auction held in Texas. One of the records I ended up with was a recording or record of a wonderful but mostly forgotten baritone called the Benvenuto Franci. Benvenuto Franci was a baritone mainly in the 30s. He was one of the baritones sort of between the era of people like Tita Ruffo, the great Tita Ruffo, and sort of later baritones such as Gino Becchi. Actually, his voice is a little bit like Gino Becchi's. It's got a strange vibrato in it, which Becchi didn't have. But he's a very exciting singer. There are some baritones that have got a sort of bass-like quality to their voice, and others who are more tenoral in the tone of their voice. Franchi is in the second category of baritone. Very fine singer. He was born in 1891, and had a long life. He died in 1985. He apparently studied with the great baritone Cotogni of the 19th century in Rome, and Rome is where he pretty much made his artistic home. He made his debut at the Teatro Constanzi in Lodoletta, and then he actually sang in the world premiere of Mascagni's Il Piccolo Marat in 1921. He sang in Verdi in Milan, and Giordano's Cena della Befe, which was another world premiere. In other words, he was regarded as one of the leading baritones of his day. He sang at Covent Garden as late as 1946, and had a really long career. I believe his last appearance was in Trieste in 1955, although in that town apparently there was some sort of very nasty accident which ended his career. He was by that time in his 60s. It couldn't have been that serious in terms of life-threatening because he survived for another 30 years. Nevertheless, he's sort of forgotten. Nobody talks about him. He was what we call a red-label artist. Only the best singers were on red-label HMV. And I think he should be listened to much more than perhaps he is by most record collectors. This is a recording of him in 1929. He's singing from... Un ballo in maschera, the famous Verdi aria, Eri tu. It's well worth listening to. He's exciting, and I'd love to have a baritone like him around now. Benvenuto Franci. Non è su lei, scelto fragile petto, e quel virgilio. Altro, fino altro sangue, a perger destino festa. Sangue tuo, e lo trarrai pugnale, allo tre alto cuore, e le lacrime mie, per dicator, per dicator, per dicator.
ed un tratto e tecrabile another recording of someone from the musical era who also recorded in the electric era this time in 1931 she wasn't quite as old as Charles Coburn Clarice Maine whose real name was Clarice Mabel Dully D-U-L-L-E-Y was born in 1886 and survived until 1966 she was born in London and began her career in various pantomimes but later on Although she kept on doing pantomime, she also became known on the musical circuit for doing slightly suggestive songs. And she would appear with a man who ended up as her husband, who she referred to as that. Uh, The idea was, this sings, that plays. And her name became associated with various songs, you might say her hit songs. The recording I'm going to give you is like a selection of these songs and I suppose was a sort of retrospective of the success she'd had in earlier days. By the way, she had a somewhat complicated married life. She ended up marrying 
the man known as that, whose real name was James Tate, who was a songwriter and pianist, when he divorced his first wife. And then he died, and she ended up marrying one of the crazy gang, two of whom were known as Nervo and Knox. She married Knox. Anyway, she made this recording in 1931, and it's interesting to hear these songs, some of which we can still remember, at least some of us can, and here they're being sung by the person who made them famous probably 20 years at least before this recording was made. So once again, here is Clarice Maine. <laughs> Oh, with me. <laughs> 
Now, I mentioned before that I took part in a record auction. Another record that I picked up was of a bass. Now, I said that Benvenuto Flanci was a sort of half-forgotten baritone. This bass, who's called Augusto Caravello, I've never heard of at all. I just thought it looked like an interesting recording of he made in the 20s at some point. Turned out to have been made in 1928. But I can literally find out virtually nothing about him. He was obviously an Italian, but the only record I can find of him at all, he's singing in Germany. He must have moved there in the 20s, hence this recording being in the 20s, but he was still there in the late 30s, so that's during a Nazi period. I don't know what his politics were, but it's very easy to judge people. It might have just been because he'd already got some sort of career going there that he just decided to continue singing. And he's a very fine bass. He's not like Shalyapin, of course, who was the greatest of all basses and of Russian. He hasn't got the richness of Ezio Pinza, nor does he try to emulate him. He's his own man, and I like what I hear, and I think he must have been a good stage actor too. You can sometimes hear it in the way people sing. So I'm going to give you his version of the great aria for bass in Rossini's opera Il Barbiere di Siviglia, which is called La Calunia. This is recorded in Germany somewhere by Augusto Caravello in 1928. If any of you know anything about him, do let me know. You can email me at spats47 at ntlworld.com. Meanwhile, here's the recording. Come on! 
track today is going to be truly different. It was a 78 made in the 50s by a gentleman known as Arthur William Big Boy Crudup. Crudup? What a pleasant name, is it? Anyway, he was born in 1905 and he died in 1974 and he was a Delta Blues singer, guitarist and of course he wrote songs, some of which helped make Elvis Presley famous. So that's probably what he's most famous for now. This is a recording of a song that Elvis certainly recorded. It's called That's All Right. It's a basic, simple song. And this is the original version of it, as I said, played by Arthur Crudup. He was born in Mississippi and began his career as a blues singer in the 30s. And he hardly was able to make a living as a street performer. But he was finally discovered by an A&R man and put on records. And gradually, from the late 40s onwards, he began to make a name for himself on labels like Ace, Checker and Trumpet Records. He toured the South, often with people like Sonny Boy Williamson II, Elmore James, etc., etc. He stopped recording during that decade because of arguments over the royalties and as he said himself, I was making everybody rich, and here I was poor. So his last Chicago session was in 1951, and there were a few later recordings. These days, he's regarded as one of the fathers of rock and roll, which he himself found amusing when he was called that. Be that as it may, it's good to hear the original version of That's Alright, albeit with a guitar that doesn't quite sound in tune to me. Arthur Big Boy Crudder playing That's All Right. Well, now that's all right, no mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, no mama. Anyway you do, but that's all right. That's all right. That's all right, 
Well, my mama, she done told me, papa told me too. The life you live in, son, now women be the death for you. That's all right. That's all right. Well, I've come to my track now, and before I do, because I've got the time today, let me say the things that I've said so many times before. I still have quite a lot of doubles here, which are taking up a lot of space, and since I've already got other copies of the records, I don't need them. So some of you who may be enjoying this music might like to add these records to your collection, or indeed begin one. If this is so, please don't hesitate in contacting me. All you need to do is to be able, preferably, to get to London. If you can't, we can talk about that, but that would be the best thing if you could just come along here. And obviously I will supply them at far lower than dealer prices. They just ought to have a good home. Secondly, for those of you who just enjoy this podcast, please do share the link because I spend a lot of time doing these podcasts and it would be nice if a lot of people could enjoy the music. So spread the link as far and wide as you can. The official link is erlokin.blogspot.com but you can just tell people to look for Erlokin's gramophone show. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can also call this number 0207-727-6375. you can't do is send a text to it because it's a landline. So you actually have to pick up the phone and speak to me. Having said all that, let me get to my track. About, oh, ten years ago I wrote a song that's, I suppose, in the style of the great American songbook of old. It's even got a verse. That would be one of my ultimate favourites of my own song, but my publisher loved it. And so it was that last year he got it placed in a film. 
it's not a featured song, but you can hear me singing it in the background because it's in a nightclub scene where people are talking over it. However, I got a reasonable amount of money for this. Not enough to retire on or to take a world cruise or something, but a fair amount. And not only that, but I get a credit at the end of the film. What's unusual about the film is it's not Hollywood, it's not a British film, it's not even a European film. It's actually a Bollywood film. So my credit at the end of the film is not only in English, but also in Hindi, which I think is quite cool. Anyway, let's see if you like the song. It's called Is It a Dream? And I hope you enjoy it. And apart from that, I'm going to say, as always, till the next time, au revoir. Never sang a love song Never felt the thrill Never seemed to have the time Somehow Never filled a love cup Never drank my fill Nobody to share it with Till now Is it a dream? Can it be true? If I'm asleep, please wake me. Is it all real? Or maybe Open my eyes. And there you are Filling my world With dreaming Till I remember Dreams Deceive No longer just friends But lovers But how it will end Only time discovers So let it be Here is my heart This could be love forever Take all I have and never leave
Take off. 